Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and there is a lot to talk about in this podcast. Um, first of all, shout out to Terrapin Care Station and the Regulators Production Group. Uh, Terrapin Care Station has been a longtime supporter of this podcast and a big reason why the podcast has lasted for as long as it has. Additionally, the Regulators Production Group, you can find them at Regulators Regime on Instagram, are the people who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. So make sure to go out of your way, find them for any audio production needs you might need. They are great at what they do and definitely are deserving of your patronage. We are going to talk about a few different things in this show. We're going to talk about how the how the Nuggets steamrolled the Lakers and how they handled the Suns in back-to-back games to be able to um, go 2-0 and on this back-to-back quick road trip, as well as extending their winning streak to seven games. They are now 21-8, and which is the best start in franchise history for this Denver Nuggets team. So overall, despite all of the dysfunction that has occurred for this Nuggets team in many different ways... This, they, are, they are looking as strong as ever, and there's a lot of groom to grow. I thought both of these games also lend themselves to a lot of different interesting takeaways. Um, like The Nuggets beat the Lakers without LeBron, but they did it in LA on a Saturday. Uh, Gary Harris has finally had his best game. Will Barton's relentlessness was on full display. Paul Millsap continually knows what his team needs, and the Nuggets bench kind of started to come out of their shell against the Lakers. Um, same with the same thing with against the Suns. Uh, Jokic was brilliant. Jamal Murray had a lot of good, a lot of good, but also some bad moments in that game. Um, also, the bench was still pretty rough. The Nuggets built a big lead and lost it again, and Gary Harris continues to be a first-team all-defensive player. So the games itself, were they didn't feel like they carried a whole lot of weight, but there are a lot of 10,000-foot view perspectives and narratives to take away from those games. So I really want to get into all of those. So you'll hear me talk about those very, very shortly. Then we're going to jump into a mailbag part of the podcast, as I always do. Make sure to keep sending in questions whenever I put that tweet out. And then we'll talk about what is coming up next for this Denver Nuggets team, what their schedule looks like to finish out the 2019 part of the season, and we'll look ahead to the very beginning of 2020. So it's going to be a fun show. There's a lot to talk about in this one, and we're definitely going to get into as many parts of it as possible. So let's just dive into the fact that the Nuggets beat the Lakers a couple nights ago, 120 to 104. So on the surface, when you see Lakers play without LeBron James and Nuggets beat Lakers, it's very easy to chalk this up to the fact that the Lakers didn't have LeBron James, arguably the greatest player of all time. And that's a very, very, uh, it's it's the right argument to make, in my opinion. Like, obviously, it's going to be a very different game when LeBron James is not on the court, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a whole lot of maturity that the Denver Nuggets were able to show. First of all, they played Saturday night in Los Angeles. That means they were in LA on a Friday night and still managed to be entirely ready for this game. That's a big thing. I know it seems weird, but if you were 24 years old, had $10 million in the bank, and you were in Los Angeles on a Friday night, wouldn't you go out? Wouldn't you kind of want to go have some fun with the millions of dollars that you've earned? 
I would, which is why I would be a terrible NBA player because I would be partying too much and spending all my money in terrible ways, but this Nuggets team did not do that. They instead showed up ready for this game. From the from tip, they were ready to go. And that's despite the fact that the Lakers were playing without LeBron James, which could allow people to take their foot off the gas. And also, Anthony Davis was banged up going into this game as well. There were reasons for a Nuggets team that has taken their foot off the gas to do it once again against this Lakers team, but they did not. In addition to that, the Nuggets could have just looked at this Lakers game as a throwaway and gone out and beaten the Suns and had a 1-1 one one back to back road trip before coming back home to play a bunch of teams that are under 500. So you would think that there is a lot of ways for the Nuggets for this to go awry, for it to go wrong. But instead, the Nuggets came out, they kept their composure, they were strong-willed, and they asserted themselves on the Lakers, despite the fact that the Lakers played very well themselves without LeBron James being on the floor. So... What a fantastic job by that Nuggets team to stay ready, to stay composed, just to be that stoic kind of uh, business-like team that so many people are hoping they will become, and they did that in Los Angeles. And not only did they do that in Los Angeles, they did it with a big second-half push. So despite the fact that, yeah, you know, 23-28 to being down 5 in the first quarter isn't great, uh, going up by 2 going into halftime is fine, especially on the road against the Lakers team, but to score 6 73 points in the third and fourth quarter and outscore the, the Lakers by, I believe, 21 at that point was just massive. They outscored the Lakers 36 to 25 in the third quarter and 37 to 26 in the fourth quarter. They absolutely ran the Lakers out of their own gym in the second half of play. And a big reason was because the bench unit finally looked better. Uh, Mason Plumley had some serious struggles with Dwight Howard defensively, but that doesn't take away the fact that he was four or five from the field. He hit both of his free throws, had five rebounds, five assists, and 10 points in 20 minutes of action. That's a good night for him. Overall, he was a plus nine in his 19 minutes of action. And I thought Mason Plumlee, despite the fact that he gave up like six offensive rebounds in this game individually, still managed to find a way to impact the game. Jeremy Grant had a couple nice moments. He, he had a couple threes. He got to the free throw line, eight points, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal, and was productive. I mean, again, that's, the, that's all that this Nuggets team is looking for is a passable reserve group. Uh, Monte Morris led this group incredibly well. Nine points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and honestly could have had a few more assists if his teammates were able to knock down the shots that he was giving them. Uh, so overall, it was good to see the Nuggets bench come alive, but the most important part of the Nuggets bench unit in terms of what they were able to accomplish was Malik Beasley, which is going to be a very big common theme as I talk about this team going forward throughout the next couple, you know, throughout the next segment in 20 minutes, you're going to hear me rant about this team. Uh, Malik Beasley against the Lakers was 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 7 from the three-point line, got to the foul line once, um, had two assists, two rebounds, and a steal, and was a plus 16 in 22 minutes to go with 16 points. He gave the Nuggets reserves the boost that they needed in the second half to turn a negative game into a positive one. Without that big burst that Malik Beasley has been able to provide, the Nuggets would not be the same team. Also, 
Malik Beasley has given Monte Morris a new weapon to play with on the on the reserve unit. He is finally getting back to what the Nuggets bench was doing last year, which was breaking down a defense and kicking out to open shooters. And Malik Beasley has been the recipient of so many of those passes, which is why you're finally seeing his production go up, 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 and up. And I do think we're going to continue seeing quite a bit of Malik Beasley in this rotation as the as the season goes along. So very very impressed with the Nuggets bench overall. I thought it was a better game from. The them and hopefully they're starting to get back into a rhythm. Uh, let's go back to the starters for a second, though, because this was Gary Harris's best game as a member of the Denver Nuggets in the 2019-20 season. Yes, he only hit one of his three threes, but he got to the damn rim over and over and over and over again. He had two Euro steps in which he basically spanned the entire LA County and just absolutely incredible performances at the rim finishing. That's why he was 7 of 10 from the field, despite being 1 of 3 from the three-point line. Another big, big, big statistical um, I guess piece of evidence as to why or as to the fact that Gary Harris was getting to the rim was that he got five free throws in this game on the road in LA. He was really able to get downhill, turn the corner, create contact, and th- and largely finish through that contact while also drawing free throws. So very, very impressive game from Gary Harris scoring, but he was also great defensively in this game, just caused terror in this game over and over and over again, especially in the second half. Um, he had four steals in this game was a plus 18 and 34 minutes but this is the most interesting part for me he had five assists and for Gary Harris he has not been a big creator especially this year because he hasn't been able to break down a defense get downhill and really make an impact well in this game he absolutely got downhill absolutely made an impact and because of that the defense was collapsing on him and he made some spectacular reads and even better he had the ability to get the passes where they needed to go and that was a very interesting part of the development of Gary Harris maybe he he was just hot this game. Maybe he was just seeing everything the way that you would hope he would see it. But Gary Harris's five assists were not just he happened to make the extra pass that led to an open shooter. He was creating great looks for his teammates. And it's something that I'm going to be moder- moder- monitoring. Jeez, I can't speak. Monitoring going forward. So really, really impressive game from Gary Harris on both ends of the floor in this one. Um, so moving on for the, with, with the starters as well, I want to talk about Will Barton. Um Will Barton has been one of the most relentless players in the NBA this year. His energy has not stopped. His intention of starting games fast has been a very important boost for this Nuggets starting unit. His ability to break down a defense one-on-one is very helpful. He's also hitting 40% of his threes this year. There are so many things that Will Barton is doing well, but one of the most important things that Will Barton is doing well is rebounding the basketball. Will Barton is one of five players who is six foot six or shorter who is averaging at least seven rebounds a game this year. I believe the only other ones were like Luka Doncic, Giannis, um, or not Giannis. Let me let me see if I can pull this up real quick because I definitely tweeted it because I tweet too much. But it's really really impressive because it's not just defensively, it's offensively as well. He's doing whatever he can to create new opportunities for rebounds, and that is not something that we have seen from him before. He has been absolutely astounding in that way. So the five players who are averaging seven or more rebounds a game who are six foot six or shorter are Jalen Brown, 
P.J. Tucker, Russell Westbrook, Justice Winslow, who has only played 10 games this year, and Will Barton the third. That is such an important part of his game because the Nuggets defense this year, a big reason why they have been so good is that they're ending defensive possessions. They're getting defensive rebounds, not allowing second chance points opportunities, and really putting that ex- that you know the ender on the defensive possession. So those, uh, those rebounds are huge. He had 13 against the Lakers, which tied his career pest. This is the fourth time he's had 13 rebounds in his career, and five of them were on the offensive glass. Uh, it's not just rebounding, though. He was attacking the rim over and over again. Yes, he was 4 of 12 from the field and was struggling to score, but he got six free throw attempts, which was very, you know, signifying how well he was getting to the rim. He had all six of them. And that led to him still getting 14 points on 12 shots overall, which was a very, very good and efficient number, despite the fact that the, that he still shot 4 of 12 from the field. Then, for the last thing, is you add in 5 assists against just 1 turnover. He has filled in every gap for the Nuggets this year, every single one. And to put this into perspective about how versatile and how many boxes he is checking off for the Nuggets, think of it this way. Will Barton is one of just two players in the NBA who is averaging at least 14 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists while shooting 40% from the 3. The only other player in the NBA doing that is Carl Anthony Towns. The fact that Will Barton is able to put up those numbers in a complementary role has just rounded off the Nuggets offense in a way that they didn't expect to have. Will Barton is not just getting back to pre-injury form. Will Barton is becoming the best version of himself on both ends of the floor right in front of our eyes. If Devontae Graham did not exist, Will Barton would be the leading candidate, in my opinion, for most improved player of the year. He has been absolutely spectacular this year, and it seems like it's going to continue going forward. Um... Also, Paul Millsap in this game, I just want to hit this very, very quickly. Paul Millsap just knows when to assert himself. He had 21 points on 8 of 14 from the field. He had 3 of his 4 free throws, had a rebound in this game, was a great defender, really was able to muscle through smaller defenders. He just gave the Nuggets exactly what they need as he continues to do seemingly every single game. So, really, really impressive win overall. The Nuggets needed a win like this. Their bench played well. Their star player, Nikola Jokic, was had 18 points on just 8 shots to go with six rebounds and five assists, a steal and a block, and only one turnover. The starters were good. The bench was good. The rotations looked good. Everything was just a functional win, and they didn't blow their lead. They actually took it to the Lakers in the second half and handled them. So, Overall, very, very impressive game from the Nuggets, but now it is time to move into the Nuggets game against the Phoenix Suns, a game in which they won 113-111, to 111, despite the fact that I believe they led by 16 at one point in this game. So again, another blown lead, another time where the Nuggets built up a big lead and just let it fall apart. Like The Nuggets at one point led by 16, and they somehow let the Suns take a 9-point lead in the second half. The Nuggets let off the gas once again, and that is continually being a cause of concern for this Nuggets team. Still, I'm going to take a step back. The Nuggets won the game. It was their seventh straight win. It was the second night of a back-to-back after traveling, after being in LA. So overall, it's hard to complain about a win in that regard, but let's take a 10,000-foot view of what happened in this game. Uh, Jokic was brilliant. Jokic was absolutely fantastic from the from the second that the game tipped all the way through until the game ended, he was clutch, he set the tone, he was creating, he was rebounding, he was pushing the pace, he was 
scoring through smaller defenders, being assertive, getting to the free throw line. He did fucking everything in this game. Here is his stat line, by the way. 22 points, 12 rebounds, 11 11 of which were defensive, which again, like I said, is a big deal for this Nuggets team. 10 assists against just two turnovers. He had a steal in this game, was 4 of 7 from 3, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, and 6 of 13 from the field in 31 minutes. Absolutely fantastic game from Nikola Jokic, but I think the most important part of what he did in this game was that his... So this is the way that Will Barton phrases what it means for Nikola Jokic to be aggressive. It's not taking a certain number of shots. It's nothing like that. It's looking to the rim. It's being a threat to score even if you're not actively planning to. It's the worry It's the worry nature that the defense has to take on when Nikola Jokic has the ball when he's looking to score. When he's not looking to score, they can play drop coverage off of him. They can take away passing lanes, and suddenly the Nuggets offense gets into a rut. But now, when Nikola Jokic is looking to the rim, when he's hitting four of seven shots from deep, you suddenly have to come way out on him like Aaron Baines had to do, and Nikola Jokic was able to just dissect this Phoenix Suns defense over and over and over again. The 10 assists that he had in this game did not represent how incredible he was passing. He could have had 14 assists in this game, 15 assists in this game. He controlled everything for the Nuggets from start to finish, and I think the big part of it was in the fourth quarter, Nikola Jokic knew that the Nuggets offense was starting to get messed up, especially trying to deal with the zone that the Phoenix Suns unleashed on them, so he just went to work, drew a couple fouls, scored through contact, was able to get a couple threes to fall, and once they started playing more man defense, that's when Jokic went back to just dissecting them, which is why Jamal Murray had such a good end of the fourth quarter as well. So overall, Nikola Jokic his fingerprints were all over this game and now with that triple double he is <coughs> he has 34 total triple doubles and is in sole possession of 10th all time in triple doubles he is tracing uh james harden right now and fat lever are the two players ahead of him once he passes fat lever that's it nikola Jokic becomes the player with the most triple doubles in franchise history so great brilliant game from from uh, Nikola Jokic let's talk about Jamal Murray because this is a very interesting discussion in my opinion when you look at Jamal Murray's stat line he was magnificent as well 28 points 12 of 19 shooting 4 of 8 from 3 3 rebounds 7 assists 2 steals did have 4 turnovers but overall was very very good and obviously hit the game winning jumper that uh, that 2 point step back shot at the end of the game to be able to give the Nuggets a win he was was very 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 good his his scoring was just incredible he hit tough shot after tough shot after tough shot he was able to create some three-pointers he took eight three-pointers in this game and hit four of them but really wasn't able to create a whole lot of contact he was really playing in the mid-range and from three he wasn't getting to the rim which again is evidence of the fact that he had zero free throw attempts in this game there were some moments where you're pulling your hair out wondering why he's taking these shots and then the shot falls there were some moments where he's turning over turning the ball over and making bad reads but still the nuggets found a way to win um so overall it was a mixed bag in my opinion for murray in which the good massively outweighed the bad but there are some things that, that he is going to have to continue to work on some of these shots are still very worrisome 
Uh, he is still struggling to get the ball into the post to Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, I can't remember who we had on his back. I think it was Ricky Rubio. But Nikola Jokic, for 12 seconds, had a guard on his back trying to get the ball in the post, and Jamal Murray just could not get the ball to him. So while, yes, there were some bad things, there were so many more good things. And you just keep seeing the flashes of just how good Jamal Murray can be once he becomes the best version of himself. And even right now, leading the Nuggets in scoring, he has been phenomenal in so many ways. And I'll talk about this more later on, but his defense continues to be good. His creation is improving as a playmaker, and he's just becoming a more well-rounded player. Um, the bench had some strong stretches, but overall were pretty rough in this game once again. If you just look at the box score, when every single player other than Michael Porter Jr., who was a plus one in six minutes, is a massive negative and the entire starting unit is a massive positive, that's a very clear picture as to what is going on with this Nuggets team. They are not getting enough bench production right now. Like, think of it this way. Mason Plumley minus 23. Jeremy Grant, minus 19. Malik Beasley, minus 24. That is not good. But when you look at their starters, Paul Millsap, plus 21. Nikola Jokic, plus 25. Will Barton, plus 14. Gary Harris, plus 13. The contrast is so extreme, and I'm not sure what it's going to take for the Nuggets to figure out this bench unit, but right now, it has been a disaster and continues to be a disaster. Again, they have strong moments, like Malik Beasley had some very good moments in this game. Jeremy Grant continued to show all those different skills that so many people were excited about when he was traded to Denver, that three-point shooting, the athletic ability, the versatile defense, but... As a unit, as an entire group, they are struggling and have been struggling all year and have been a big negative. The Nugget starters come out, build a big lead, and the bench unit completely kills all of, the, of that momentum they have built, watches that lead disappear, and then hands the ball back to the starters to try and save the day once again. And that has to change eventually. Because right now, the Nuggets just keep building leads and keep losing them, and they gotta find a way to end that pattern. Because right now, it is just not working and they need to find a way to fix those. Um, Also, I want to talk about Gary Harris one more time because the job that Gary Harris has done on Devin Booker in these three games is just insane. Listen to these averages that Devin Booker has in three games against the Nuggets. He is scoring 13.7 points per game on 30.4% from the field and 14.2% from three. He's only getting to to the free throw line 3.7 times per game against the Nuggets and is only averaging three rebounds six assists and has 3.3 turnovers per game. Gary Harris and the Nuggets are swallowing up Devin Booker every time they play and yes it's a team effort but Gary Harris is the reason that they're cutting the head off the snake and just another absolutely impressive game from Gary Harris. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and I will come back. We're going to answer some questions and then look ahead to what the Nuggets have coming up. Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. 
Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. dive into my favorite segment of this show and if you guys have been listening for a while you know that i like to answer as many questions from listeners as i possibly can so today i picked five more that i'm going to answer these kind of came from past questions that have been sent in that i haven't gotten to i'm trying to retrace my steps and try and get to some questions that maybe i didn't answer so let's just dive in uh josh Steele asks can malone manage setting a lineup with michael porter jr getting consistent minutes or is it going to take the front office to force his hand by trading players so this is a very tough question and one that we keep getting over and over again and it's because there really hasn't been a complete rotation in which you can be like those are the 10 guys Michael Malone are going to play every night he has been rotating four of his wings into two spots essentially he hit the eighth and ninth or the ninth and tenth roster spots have been one of Michael Porter Jr. Malik Beasley Wancher Hernan Gomez or Tory Craig Recently, he has made a point to get Michael Porter Jr. four to seven minutes in the first half every game. Depending on how the game progresses, he has been either sticking with Michael Porter Jr. or keeping Malik Beasley in his spot and playing more of a nine and a half, nine and a half man rotation as opposed to a full ten man rotation. So, if he continues doing that, I do think that it will slowly help Michael Porter Jr. because he is getting the minutes that he does need, but he needs more than that. So if we're talking about consistent minutes defined as here is your spot in the rotation, you're going to get 15 minutes a night, I think that it would take a trade to be able to get Michael Porter Jr. in that type of a role. I don't think those trades really exist right now for the Nuggets. There's a lot of tough ways to try and build a deal for Denver, but to really get him 15 to 20 minutes a night, it is probably going to take a trade with that being said though I do like the fact that Michael Malone is just sticking with Michael Porter Jr. and Malik Beasley seemingly right now Um, and that's you know I think sticking with 10 guys for 10 games is going to be much more beneficial than trying to play all four throughout so we'll see what happens but overall if you want him to get 15-20 minutes it is probably going to take a trade Um, Sam W. Anderson asks is there is the ever-changing rotation wearing on the players? Wancho was in, now he is out. Beasley was in, now he is in. Or Beasley was out, and now he's in. I think it's good to have flexibility, but I worry it's going to wear on them. I have the exact same worry. I really, really do. Um, 
it's so tough to go into a game. Like, imagine going to your job and you have absolutely no idea what you're supposed to do. It's like having the first day on the job every single time because the rules of engagement are constantly shifting around you. You don't know if you're going to be the ninth guy, the tenth guy, if you're coming in the first quarter or the second quarter, if you're going to play in the second half or if you're going to play at all or if you're going to play 30 minutes. There's no idea of what they're walking into. And it's so hard for players in the NBA to be able to be the best version of themselves without knowing the rules of engagement in that way. So I do think it's going to wear on them, and I do think the Nuggets have done an incredible job of handling it. Malik Beasley has stayed ready despite the fact that he absolutely wants to be playing. Michael Porter Jr. has showed more maturity than I knew he had. Torrey Craig has not complained once, and Juancho Hernan Gomez has been a model teammate the entire season. But at some point, I do have to think that this would wear on them just like any other human would. Uh, cutesy 20 on Twitter asks, is Jamal's improved play on the defensive end sustainable? He's starting to look like a genuine two-way player. So this is, um, I, 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 let me put it this way. I think the effort and the attentiveness is sustainable. I'm not sure if we can, if people can really depend on him to be a, you know, top 30% defensive player in the NBA, especially defending point guards, but I think that right now, it's clear that his dedication is there on defense, as is his effort, and that is going to go a very long way. So I do think that part is sustainable. I don't know if he can continue to be this dominant, just like I'm not sure if the Nuggets can continue being a top two defense in the NBA, but they are a top 10 group, undoubtedly, and Jamal Murray is a big reason why. Big Perm asks, who could the Nuggets target in a trade? This has been a very common question that keeps being asked around, and I think... I think what this comes down to is two things. So first of all, go read my article that I put up. I did a mailbag thing where I wrote on my online sports about these trade circumstances. But the biggest issue is that the Nuggets, who they're trying to trade for, those teams do not want to take back salary. Sending a guy like Malik Beasley in a trade to try and upgrade the roster just means that whatever team is taking back Malik Beasley has to be willing to give him a new contract. No one's looking for Malik Beasley rental unless you're all already an elite team, which in that case, the Nuggets aren't going to be able to get anything back in return that is going to make them better. So it's very difficult to figure out who the Nuggets could target in a trade because it's difficult to be able to build trades. Um, I look at guys like Justin Holiday as a good name, Tony Snell, uh, even guys like Doug McDermott are guys who can just help around the fringes, be an additional wing that you can add to the team, who can hit threes, who can defend multiple positions. Those are the kind of players that contending teams look for to be able to bolster the rest of their roster. I do wonder if the Nuggets try and get involved in an Andre Iguodala conversation. That would make more sense in in a Malik Beasley swap, but making the money work is extremely difficult, so they might have to part with a Mason Plumley or somebody like that to make the money work. So overall, considering how many moving pieces there are in the Nuggets rotation and how many guys they are depending on, it does seem like it could be difficult to target somebody in a trade. I do not expect a Drew Holiday trade. I do not expect any kind of big uh, needle-moving type of deal. I don't expect a Kevin Love trade. None of that, because it is so difficult to build a trade, and even if you do, you got to part with one of Gary Harris or Will Barton, who are integral pieces to what make the Nuggets the Nuggets. Um, OG Shaba on the other side of this coin asks, who could the Nuggets look to trade? 
I would bet the Nuggets are looking to move one or both of Wancho Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley, and then maybe even potentially Torrey Craig. This is all speculation, all of it, but the Nuggets aren't going to have enough money to pay everybody next year, so moving on from the players who are going to be restricted free agents after this season makes the most sense. Tim Connolly has never sold off players right before they were up for a contract. He has not been that kind of a GM or a president at any point in his tenure with the Nuggets. So I wouldn't expect it, but those are the two players that are the three players that I would look at to be moved as well as maybe Mason Plumlee just because he's expiring and could be useful to a couple other teams. But I would be very surprised if Mason Plumlee is included in a trade. Thanks for the questions as always. Make sure to keep responding to those. I really, really appreciate you guys doing that. It makes it a lot more fun. All right. Let's move on to this upcoming stretch of schedule. So I pulled uh, the next eight games, which is basically finishing out um, the year 2019 and then looking at the five-game road trip the Nuggets have in their future. So coming up, they'll play the Pelicans on Christmas, as everyone knows. Then they'll play the Memphis Grizzlies on the 28th. That gives the Nuggets three days, or two full days between games, which would be very beneficial for a team that has played a lot of games this month. Additionally, they'll be, then they'll be playing again at home against the Kings on a back-to-back on the 29th. So to finish out this homestand, they're going to be playing the Pelicans on Christmas, the Grizzlies on the 28th, and the Kings on the 29th. Then to finish out the year of 2019, they will play at Houston on New Year's Eve. Eve. So those four games, I see the Nuggets getting three more wins against at home against the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, and the Kings, pushing this win streak to 10 games and getting to 24 and 8 before going on the road and losing to Houston on New Year's Eve. The next thing that's tough about that is the Nuggets will have one day off for New Year's Day and then they'll have to play in Indiana on the second. I think the Nuggets lose both of those games. Uh, one, because Houston is just still a very difficult matchup for Denver, especially after all of those games and on the road and then Indiana man like that team does not die that's a pesky team that the Nuggets are gonna have to deal with and have to really uh show up ready for that game and I do think the exhaustion the start of the road trip and the New Year's Eve hangover might be a issue in that game and the Nuggets could lose that one so I, th- I see the Nuggets winning three more straight, getting to 10 straight wins, losing two more games, and then to finish out that road trip, it's at Washington, at Atlanta, and at Dallas with rest in between all of those games. So I think the Nuggets would then go back on a three-game winning streak to finish up that road trip. That's what I'm looking at. We'll have to just wait and see, but it's going to be a very interesting stretch of games for the Nuggets. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sending in questions. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for leaving five star ratings for sharing this podcast on social media and for being involved with the podcast having listeners of the show and nuggets fans alike involved with the podcast makes it that much more enjoyable for me i like being a connecting community presence as opposed to someone who is talking into a microphone at people that gets old and it sucks so thank you guys so much it means the world and i will definitely be back with more podcasts in the very near future have a very happy holidays